Welcome to the Father Jim Willig Gospel Teachings Podcast, presented by Heart to Heart, a Catholic media ministry. Father Jim was a well-known and much-loved diocesan priest from Cincinnati, Ohio. Inspired by God's Word, for many years, Father Jim presented a weekly Bible study on the Sunday Gospels. In 2001, Father Jim went home to the Lord after a battle with cancer, but his recordings and teachings live on to inspire thousands. First, we hear from Father Jim's good friend, Jesuit priest, Father Michael Sparrow, who opens this podcast by proclaiming the gospel reading. Then, Father Jim's illuminating gospel teaching follows. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. About nine o'clock, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You too go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, the landowner found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious? Because I am generous. Thus, the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. The title of my presentation today is When Life Isn't Fair. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt that when God was giving out talents, you were somehow toward the end of the line? I have felt that at times. Have you felt that life isn't fair when you compare your salary to what a professional ball player makes? It isn't fair. Have you ever felt that when you're along I-75 traffic 
you know, in the bottleneck traffic jam of caused by all the orange barrels, you're waiting in this long line of congestion. And all of a sudden, some wise guy goes ripping along the shoulder, followed by a whole line of people who cut in way ahead of you and say, life isn't fair. Yeah. And we could go on and on and on saying life isn't fair. We learned to say that pretty early in life. I learned to say it to my mother when she somehow insisted I do the dishes two days in a row, nearly killing me. Life isn't fair. And she would say, get used to it, Jim. You're right. It isn't fair. Jesus seems to more or less suggest the same. I think this could be a subtitle of the parable today. Life isn't fair. Even God would agree. And as we look at the parable, perhaps we could uncover what the main point that Jesus is trying to make. As always, I'd like to give a little historical background to help us fully appreciate why Jesus would choose this common and ordinary scene in this particular season in which we are in even now. September was the month when grapes were harvested in ancient Israel. But this posed a slight problem because September was also the beginning of the rainy season. And so it was a time when many people would just begin to harvest their grapes, but it would be a race against time to do so before the torrential rains that sometimes would threaten the entire crop of grapes. Naturally, and you could just picture this, the owner of this vineyard wanted to wait till the last minute to allow his grapes to fully ripen, to have the fullest and finest flavor and bring the greatest price. And so he waited till the last moment when all of a sudden, one day he probably woke up, looked at the sky and say, oh no, we've got to go to work fast. And so seeing the impending rains coming upon him, he rushed to the marketplace. The marketplace is where the men would gather in the town center to seek employment. And so he went there and immediately, quickly hired these people who wanted to be hired out and brought them to work in his vineyard. Probably, as he's supervising the work of these employees, he sees that he needs some more help in order to beat the time of the rains. So he goes again to the marketplace and again and again, we eventually he will go five times to bring in all the help he needs to harvest all the grapes in time before the rains. Probably at the end of the day, feeling rather good, happy, and a little generous because he's harvested all the grapes, he goes on to pay them. Now, it was the Jewish law that you had to pay the worker at the end of the day. And so he would pay them the ordinary day's wage, which is a denarius. Obviously, the point of the parable that Jesus builds on is that Jesus starts paying them with those hired last and only worked an hour and then goes on in contrast to pay the ones who worked and hired first since the very first hour and worked all day in the scorching heat, 
pays them last, to build up this contrast between the first and the last. We might say what Jesus is trying to point out here, keep in mind that the vineyard is the biblical symbol of Israel, who were the vineyard of God, the kingdom of God. The owner of the vineyard, you could probably guess, is God himself. And the full-time workers, those hired first into the vineyard, as you might be able to guess, were the promised people who were first called by God since Abraham to inherit the care of the vineyard, the message and the covenant of God. And then we could imagine that the ones hired later were those who would only later come to receive this message of Jesus. And those who received his special favor, it would seem, those sinners and outcasts, those who didn't fulfill the full law of Israel and yet received the mercy and kindness and compassion of Christ. And it's these two people that Jesus is constantly contrasting in life to challenge us to the, the sense of justice of God that seems to fly in the face with the fairness of this world. Why would the owner pay the same amount? What the point of the parable is not to teach us any economics. It's not to teach us anything about what we should do or shouldn't do by way of treating our employees or how we should be paid. Rather, it's to point out how God seems to work in life. The workers who have worked a full day obviously complain, and wouldn't we too, for being paid the same amount for those who only worked one hour. They complain, it isn't fair. And yet the owner says, no, I'm being fair. I said to you, I promised you that I would pay you a full day's wage. And indeed, the owner did give them a full day's wage. But he went beyond being fair to the others. In fact, he said he was being generous and, and challenged the full-time workers to say, are you envious because I'm being generous? And the word there for envious in the Greek is literally to cast an evil eye. The real challenge here we could imagine, especially as Jesus is addressing this to religious people and religious leaders like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who are constantly casting an evil eye on their other brothers and sisters who didn't fulfill the entire law of the Lord. Is this starting to make sense now? And Jesus, who is constantly showing his generous love and forgiveness to all, especially those lesser brothers and sisters of his day and age, it challenges them to God's sense of justice, which is beyond fairness to being generous. How does this apply to our lives? I always remember the first time of my first year of teaching when I learned that the greatest commandment is to be fair. And the constant complaint of any students is in the slightest way, if they feel you're not being fair, that's like a felony in the classroom. And I remember the first quarter of my first year of teaching, 
uh, when I realized that some of my students weren't quite going to make the grade, I then offered to any student the opportunity to do extra credit work. And I said, giving special attention to the students who are struggling, I said, if any of you want to do extra credit in order to bring your mark up, especially those with lower marks, please see me after class and I can help you really have a, a, not only a passing grade, but a good grade. Well, the very first student in line after class was my finest and best student with the highest marks, making the loudest protest, Father, this ain't fair. I worked hard, I studied hard to make the good grade, and now it's like you're giving this opportunity to everybody. This isn't fair, and I'm going to complain to the principal. And I wish I had thought of this parable then. I didn't. But I did say something like, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want your other classmates to fail? Is that what you want? Are you against me for being considerate of them? And then, of course, you said, you just never understand. <laughs> well, it is hard to understand. And I thought a lot about what she said. And I do think she voiced what we often feel. And certainly, people who read this parable, I've had friends say to me, you know, I, I love Jesus' parables, but this one, I don't buy. It just doesn't make sense. And you're right. It isn't logical. It's theological. It's God's sense that surpasses human understanding. And like the young student who complained, we ourselves, who are cradle Christians, who have, from the very first hour of our life, have been chosen by God to inherit our faith, and have grown up, most of us, working hard at being good and doing good. We could maybe look at someone who had a deathbed conversion and say, it isn't fair. They lived a wild life and then last minute turned to God like the thief on the cross who turned to Jesus in his last hour and Jesus promised him paradise. One could say, it isn't fair. Or as Bishop Sheen was quick to say, you know he was a good thief. He stole his way into heaven. Some of us have given more than our fair share of time, more than our fair share of financial support to the church. Many other people give far less, and we say it isn't fair. And we're right in saying that. But what does that mean? What it means, it challenges us to how do we look at those other brothers or sisters? Are we tempted to be envious or cast an evil eye on them? I can't help but think of myself, you know, when I was first ordained, I thought that this is the gift of my life that I want to give to God. And in a certain way of looking at it, I thought, I guess, at least unconsciously, that I was being generous, being a full-time worker in the vineyard of the Lord. Huh? But only lately have I come to see that I was looking at it all wrong. It isn't so much what I'm giving to God as what God has given to me. And that, in fact, it's a gift to work for the Lord. 
And that's what I'm seeing and experiencing more and more. And this is what the workers failed to see, that it was a gift for them to be called to work. This is what they wanted. And to feel, to be able to be used by God to work in the vineyard of the Lord is a great privilege. So what is it that keeps us from seeing that sometimes? I think, too, we are called in the church today to consider what our Holy Father has often promoted, and that is a preference for the poor. We are being asked and called to show a preferential option for the poor and the lesser brothers and sisters. And many of us could rightfully complain that maybe it looks like they're not working as hard as we have for what we have earned and yet have failed to see that for the most part, who we are and what we are has largely been a gift of God. And so we are being called into God's sense of justice which is to be generous in every circumstance and to every person. Let me offer just a few suggestions that maybe will help us to bring this message closer to home. The first way I think we could live out this parable in our own setting is first, I would suggest that it's not fair to compare. It's not fair to compare ourselves to anyone or anyone to anyone else. Have you noticed that whenever we compare ourselves to anyone, it's a sure setup to being angry or envious or leading to bitter feelings? Usually it's because when we do compare, we always compare ourselves to those who have more, whatever that is, more intelligence, better looks, higher salary, or whatever. We rarely compare ourselves to those who have less, right? And this is where those who are harvesting the grapes turn to sour grapes when they failed to see that they were blessed to be called to work and to work fully with all their time and talents is itself a great gift. I think of the man who was always complaining. And eventually this landed him in the hospital. And then he was forced to see and recognize the many other brothers and sisters who were a lot sicker and in worse condition. And that cured him of his worst ailment, his own attitude toward life. And after that short hospital stay, it cured him of his bad attitude and became more grateful to God. So the first conversion I think needs to happen in us is we need to recognize it's not fair to compare. Secondly, I would suggest that what you see is what you get. And how we look at each other determines how we feel about ourselves in our own life. And if we do become envious, or another way, if we turn to self-pity, it is like turning an evil eye on others or an evil eye on ourselves. And it's very important that we take on the vision of Christ, which is 
to see the goodness of God in everything, in all people. And what that leads to is not to enumerate our hardships, but usually to count our blessings. And think about the people you know who are really like the Lord. And you can almost see it in their eyes. And they have a way of looking at their life, whatever their circumstances are, to seeing that they're truly blessed. I, I met a young woman who's only recently graduated from the University of Cincinnati with a degree in engineering and was able to have a wonderful job at CG&E. And she was on her way to work one day when this young man in this big pickup truck was speeding far beyond the speed limit and went over into her lane and crashed into her head on. And this put her into a a coma for a couple of weeks and later left her paralyzed. And at 24 years old, to suffer paralysis for a lifetime would leave any one of us, I'd imagine, certainly, I speak for myself, very embittered toward life. Certainly, she could have cried and complained, life isn't fair. Her mother recently told me that the most amazing thing is that She never heard her daughter complain once in all her convalescence, which took years to gain at least enough control to sometimes stand up, though she can't stand long. And she's still more or less confined to a wheelchair. Instead, she said, I realized with suffering, I could either become bitter or become better. And I chose to look on the bright side rather than the bleak side to become better. And she's made this incredible recovery, and now she works at Providence Hospital, which I think is a beautiful coincidence that she works at Providence, to help other patients who suffer from severe strokes or setbacks to recover their own inner spirit. That with the right attitude, she said, you can overcome life's worst tragedies and discover a blessing. When I met this woman, she radiates with a holiness and a goodness that defies human understanding. And all I can see is that she's a great example of someone who has chosen to see with the eyes of God what God can do and being generous with his spirit, and God can work everything for the good. This is what we're invited to see, I think, in this parable. And finally, the last line of the parable should not escape us. This is the moral of the story, and that is, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Doesn't seem to make sense to me very often, but I think what that means is this, to be humble, to make yourself the servant of all. You will be the first to see the goodness and the greatness of God. The lesson of the parable, perhaps, is that we all need to be humble. And it is the truly humble who are the really grateful people of God. I hope that I don't embarrass this man by using him as an example, but he is someone who's taught me, and that is my friend Willie. 
who works here at our cathedral. Willie is one of our part-time workers here, and I imagine it's safe to say he doesn't make the most money here. He's not on the highest of the salary scale here. And yet, whenever I see Willie, I am always amazed to see this sparkle in his eye that radiates a happiness. And I'm saying, what is it that gives this man such pleasure when I know some of the hardship that he's suffered through in his life? What is it? that gives him what I think the wealthiest and the richest, healthiest people are trying to seek. And all I can say is that Willie has found in his janitorial work a gift of God to be able to work for the church, to work for people, and in his smallest, simplest way to bring happiness through a smile. And he always does that for me. And it seems to me that God chooses the littlest people in this world sometimes to show us the greatest lessons. And maybe this is what we need to learn from today's parable. And to conclude with a great quote of the well-known Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister of England, who once said, and I think he was right, we make a living by what we get but we make a life by what we give. Amen. Thank you for listening to Father Jim's Gospel Teaching. We hope you have been inspired and will subscribe to this weekly podcast and share it with your family and friends. The mission of Heart to Heart is to proclaim the good news of God's Son, Jesus, to the entire world. For more inspirational teachings by Father Jim and Father Michael, visit our website, www.htoh.us. May God bless your heart and the hearts of all your loved ones.